Hello and welcome to Propnex, the property podcast about all things related to the future of real estate. I'm delighted that you've joined me today. My name is Gavin Morgan, your host. If you'd like to know a little bit more about me, please check out www.propnex.com. That's P-R-O-P-N-X.com. Or drop me a line if you'd like to chat privately on Gavin R. Morgan at propnext.com. That's G-A-V-I-N-R-M-O-R-G-A-N at propnext.com. This is Sam Whiffen uh, from Eaton Square Capital. Thank you very much for joining the Propnext podcast. Uh, absolute pleasure, Gavin. Thank you for having me. And um Always a delight to talk to JLL alumni. And I, likewise, Sam, I'm going to say a real honor to have, a, a, well, a very esteemed member of the JLL alum, particularly in Hong Kong, um, on today and uh, talk about something completely different, uh, which is interesting too, um, the Vancouver metro market. And... I mean, Sam, maybe you could just before we get into that, could you would you mind just giving a little introduction to yourself, please, before we sort of crack on with the, the topic in hand? Yes, yeah, sure. with Gavin, with pleasure. Um, I mean, at a high level, 20, 20 years in Hong Kong, um, 17 of which were with uh, with Jones Lang LaSalle, very, very happy years. And I was mainly in the commercial markets there um, in Hong Kong and in the region. And then um, emigrated to Vancouver with the family in 2003 and since coming to Vancouver um, very much been involved with with residential as opposed to commercial Um, and really kind of focused on luxury property in Metro Vancouver and in particular single family homes so during that uh, during the last 20 years I've mainly been in the building business but um, also had uh, a lending business that that lent against uh, prime residential property. Um, so I've seen a, a number of uh, different aspects of it. Um, and, and the, and also seen being witness to the incredible development of the, of the Vancouver market. Yeah. I mean, it seems to have been one of the fastest developing markets in North America for the last 10 or 20 years. And I mean, Sam, one of my first questions for you was going to be what initially attracted you to single family homes in Vancouver. I mean, I'm guessing it's probably a little bit of that, but um, you know, maybe you can elaborate a little bit, please. Yeah, with, with pleasure. Um, well, when, when we first arrived here, we'd been going to Whistler for many years. We'd had a place there, but then moved down to Vancouver. So started to, I started to have a good look around at uh, what I wanted to do in, in, in the property world. And I just saw this this luxury, well, this residential market as a whole that uh, had had very limited land supply, um, constricted by the ocean and the mountains, and you know, it reminded me quite a bit of Hong Kong actually in that respect. Um, nice. I also saw, yeah, I mean, as you would as you would well recall. Um, so there was that was a kind of a fundamental thing, and then and then I saw that there was a huge amount of. Um, inward migration i mean vancouver is acknowledged as you know one of the best places to live in 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 the world and um you know we've got uh, significant growth in the likes of the tech you know google microsoft expanding very rapidly here Um, 
we're a world center for, for mining and raising capital around the mining industry. And we're also sometimes called Hollywood North. So you know, a huge amount of uh, film work that's, uh, that's done up here. And, and so I just thought, well, okay, so you know, we've got limited land supply. We've got continuous inward migration. And then the, the third thing um, was that we've got very diverse or very diverse sources of wealth. So, you know, we're a, we're a multi-ethnic city. Um, and we've got our, you know, Chinese community, our Indian community, Iranian community, um, you know, not to mention a, a very well-established uh, European expat community and a, a, a very strong Canadian um, community. Um, so, you know, all of these, um, all of these uh, sort of tribes, if you like, um, have got, you know, substan- substantial wealth. Um, so it really sort of starts to speak to affordability. Um, so it's really those three things, Gavin, I think, you know, limited land supply, uh, inward migration and, uh, affordability that, yeah, that I just thought was, uh, you know, a really good kind of cocktail, if you like. No, indeed. And during the time that I spent in Asia, I mean, it was a constant talking point. I mean, it's extremely popular with, um, wealthy Asia based and sort of net, Asian natives as well. And, um, you know, Barzo, what you're saying about the dynamic of the population base there. As much, um, I mean, Sam, you've been there, as you've mentioned, for quite a while. What are the big changes that you've seen in the in the sector that you're focusing on since you entered it? Yeah, well, Gavin, I mean, I think, you know, it's been a sort of a market which um, has seen incredible growth, right? And that, that, that sort of growth is, can be can be seen in a number of elements, um, you know, to start with, you know, end values. Okay. That's the first thing that you, that you look at, you know, prices have, have doubled, um, in, in the last uh, 10 years, certainly. And, um, in some cases even tripled if you're looking at sort of things like prime apartment downtown. So a real ramp up of, of end values. Um, we've seen that tail off a bit with interest rates, um, and the pandemic, but, it was more a leveling off, which now seems to be starting to, to move. Um, values seem to be starting to trend upwards again uh, with very limited inventory. So, you know, huge growth in end values, um, but also uh, a very significant growth in cost. Um, you know, when I, when I first mm. uh, started building single family homes, you know, we were looking at something like 350 Canadian dollars. Um, Hard and soft costs, so that's the actual building costs plus the cost of the architect, permits, financing, etc. Um, and if you look at that number today, it's more like seven hundred and fifty dollars a square foot. Wow! And that's for a that's for that's a, a good quality single family home. But you know, basically double. Yeah, the big increase. And yeah, do, I, I, and Sam, are you seeing that? Um, you know, I'm down here in New York, as you know, and. But it seems to be tipping off a little bit in the other direction now. Is that a, is that something you're witnessing in Vancouver now as well, or a cost holding firm? You know, very much so, Gavin. Um, you know, we, we've had this wild ride during the pandemic where we, for example, we saw costs of lumber quadruple um, and, and then halve. So, you know, we're still, we're still twice as much as they were five years back. But um, it's starting to ease a bit more now. So I, I would agree with you. I think um, the overall trend, is for uh, materials costs are starting to come back a bit. There's still 
um, a huge demand for quality labour. So we're not actually seeing that side of it ease too much. But I would say in the round, the, 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 whole, the whole construction process, cost-wise, is starting to calm down. And, and Sam, look, that's really interesting. Uh, and obvious question then, I think, is with rates rising and costs coming down, tapering a little bit. Um, do you think that? Do you think that will? Um, do you think that will help the market keep volumes up? But will it impact pricing in a downward direction, or do you see that playing out a little differently over the coming year or two? Yeah, well, we've got a number of um, factors that are sort of pushing and pulling. Um, the market. Um, you know, if we talk about interest rates, obviously that goes directly to affordability. Um, but we have had this, the famous stress tests that have been utilized by the banks over the last five or so years. So actually, um, you know, these higher interest rates seem to be uh, being digested by the market. Um, and the stress tests seem to have done their job. You know, people actually can afford to pay six and a half, seven percent for their mortgage. So, you know, that's kind of some some good news that it hasn't impacted the market as much as it might have done. Um, but, you know, what it has done is caused um, a number of people uh, to just stay where they are, not to, um, you know, sell and buy another house because you know, they might have a five-year fixed mm-hmm. uh, mortgage in place, yeah. you know, at, at below 2%. So, you know, that's, that's restricting um, inventory, um, which is another factor. And Sam, just leading right into working from home, uh, which again, down in the suburbs here around New York, has really driven uh, a lot of demand, driven a lot of demand for suburban housing that would appear to be going to stick, i.e. I don't think there will be a similar migration back to the city when we're well past any threat of COVID. Uh, And that, of course, supports not just existing values, but future value growth in markets like this. Similar story in Vancouver? Um, Gavin, I think a very similar story um, in Vancouver. I mean, you know, when the pandemic hit, uh, it caused a, a lot of relocation to the more remote areas of BC, uh, which there are many beautiful areas. So it was a, quite an enticing formula. Um, and everybody had to work from home so everybody could work from home. Um, but again, you know, as, as with other um, major cities around the world, we're seeing a rebalancing uh, and a, a gradual return to the, to the workplace, which has been happening for you know, probably 12, 15 months. Um, that said, you know, it's never going to go back to, to the situation we had before the pandemic. So, you know, this um, working from home has, you know, entrenched itself. Um, it, employers look at it, certainly in our part of the world, where we have more of those, um, more of the businesses that I was talking to you about, so more sort of, you know, tech, um, film, more diverse businesses, as opposed to uh, a major financial centre where you know the, the bigger banks, the Gold, Goldman Sachs and Chase's, are being more strict in terms of how they mandate a, a return to work. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that um, you know we're seeing uh, a renewed interest in moving back towards the city. I mean, I would say that suburban single-family homes in Greater Vancouver have remained in in demand throughout you know, the last five years. Um, yes. I think they'll always be well supported by, by the buyer community. 
Yeah, it's reassuring to hear you say that. I mean, that's how I, well, as I've said, that's how I see it too. And I also think, and I think this is kind of coming through what you're saying. So I still think it supports continued investment in these types of communities as well. Um, you know, as they continue to develop forward, as we just discussed. Sam, you mentioned um, uh, earlier in the conversation, you mentioned Whistler, which I'm ashamed to say that I've yet to visit, having been skiing in other places in, in Canada, and I've only ever heard great things from anyone that I know that's been there. Was that art hit or badly affected by the pandemic? Uh, what's happening up there? Well, you know, great, great question, Gavin. And um, I, I look forward to you visiting Whistler, in the, hopefully in the not-too-distant future. Um, well worth a visit. That was almost an invitation, uh, Sam, so I might just you, follow you, up with yeah, you on the, that. Yes, I think you, read the, you read that one right. Um, absolutely. It would be great to see you. Um, so, so look, you know, the the last few years have had an ama- incredible impact on Whistler. Um, it's been an incredibly positive impact. Um, I mean, during the pandemic, it was almost literally a case of head, head for the mountains. Um, you know, people wanted to be away from cities, and um, Whistler offered this opportunity to have a, a great, still a great lifestyle. So, you know, th- there was... The pandemic was on, but you could still go skiing in the winter and you could still go golfing in the summer. So there was a huge increase in demand. And that increase in demand um, was put onto a market that had extremely limited uh, inventory levels. So, you know, net result, you know, prices have increased in Whistler nearly 50% in the last three or four years. And there is virtually nothing for sale. It's been, wow. um, it's been amazing, actually. I mean, it's taken everybody by surprise. Yeah, and is it still, it's also still attracting a big international uh, demand? I mean, there's obviously, there's obviously a lot of people from around the world go there, to, for particularly for winter sports. I'm sure it's growing as a summer sports um, destination as well. But from an investment point of view, you're still getting the same dynamic of investor, uh, or is it more domestically focused these days? Uh, has anything changed there? I think it's a. I think it's still a very sort of widely held um, ownership base uh, up in Whistler. You've got people from all over. Expats from Asia still very much a feature. Vancouver residents who you know keen to have a ski chalet an hour and a half away from town. A lot of uh, U.S. Um, buyers uh, who, who are looking at places like Aspen and mm-hmm. Whistler still looks cheap compared mm-hmm. to somewhere like yeah. So I think, again, you know, it's a diverse group of, of owners um, and still, a, you know, and there's been an incredibly well supported market. But what, we, what we've seen, Gavin, in the last sort of couple of years is that there's been a real tick up in demand for these sort of trophy properties. And, you know, yes. 10, $15 million Canadian used to be a crazy amount of money for a house in Whistler. Well, not not anymore. It's fairly it's fairly usual to see those sorts of prices achieved. Sam, that's a really interesting kind of sort of little subset of the the residential market that I wanted to talk to you about because similarly, I mean, I've noticed in suburban markets that the really the really good stuff, you know, ocean views. There still seems to be very strong demand for that in suburban markets, you know, the real ultra prime stuff. But in big cities, as we both know, the ultra prime um, apartments 
they, they seem to have wobbled a little bit in the last sort of five years with um, a, a bit of a challenge to pricing and certainly weakening demand. Vancouver and Whistler, I mean, you just talked about Whistler and it sounds like Ultra, Ultra Prime is still in high demand there. What's the story done in Vancouver? Is that still strong as ever or is it wavering a little as it has in many other cities around the world? Yeah, interesting. Um, really, really interesting. Um, so, so I think, you know, as far as some of the um, very large apartments, um, condos in downtown Vancouver, I mean, we've seen one that's come on the market, 7,000 square feet, $26 million asking price. Um, you know, no real outdoor area, um, wonderful views and an absolutely, you know, prime, prime location. Um, but you know that's going to be uh, that's going to have a much more limited audience, and compared to the, the more the single-family home market, you know. So, for example, there, just in the last couple of weeks, we've seen three lots that are next door to each other, very prime area downtown Vancouver called Point Grey. These three lots they total um, five acres. And they, there's no nothing built on them. It's just bare land, um, and these are just sold to a single buyer for fifty million Canadian. Um, yeah. And you know that got everybody's attention um, for good reason. Indeed, yeah. Um, and, and they sold within about three months. So okay. you know, as we've had this sort of inward migration of these high net worth individuals into Vancouver, so the appetite. Um, for this type of thing has really increased. And um, I just heard end of last week the rumors of a four-acre piece, uh, waterfront compound with three iconic houses on it, possibly coming to the market with a price tag of $100 million. Wow. And, and, and nobody's saying they're absolutely nuts. You know, they're, there's, they're, everybody's curious, but nobody's saying that that price is absolutely nuts. So, you know, we talked about change. Well, that sure is, you know, just unheard of, you know, 10 years ago, even five years ago. Yeah, it's very strong pricing by the standards of any major market. And Sam, where do you think the market settles in that respect? Do you, do you see, I mean, you've talked about there's been a big, big uplift in not just costs, but obviously values the last decade plus. Looking ahead, um, do you think it powers on or do you think it stabilizes a little bit? Well, I think, I think we're going to have to see... Um, you know, what, what happens as restricted inventory um, eases? Because there's no question the sort of prices that we're seeing at the moment will encourage uh, more people to list their properties. So I think for me, um, the, the key is just to see volume of sales increase and prices to remain at stable at these elevated levels. That, that will enable the market to, to bed down after you know, all of these sort of major events that have happened, you know, COVID, interest rates, et cetera. Um, and, and once, if that's the case, and even if they prices ease off a bit, I would suspect it would be a, by a relatively small amount. I mean, they did, they did come off 5 7% um, 12 months ago, and, and they pretty much recovered that now to be back to where they were before that. So I think, you know, we're just going to go through a period of the market settling down, adjusting to the, the changes that it's faced. But look, you know, um, I hate to say one-way bet, but I'm, I, I have said it now. Um, I think Vancouver is, <laughs> yep. is, is I think Vancouver is a one-way bet. And I think um, 
you know, you've got to, you've got to watch out for it's a market. So it goes in cycles. So you've got to watch your timing, mm-hmm. but you know, as far as the longer term is concerned, we're just going to continue to see this, um, land constricted market with increasing quality of houses being built, um, high net worth buyers who appreciate that type of product, um, a very, very healthy marketplace, I must say. Yeah. Um, Sam, in amongst everything that we've talked about, I mean, we've referred to elements of it, but the quality of life up there is fantastic. I mean, it is one of the world's most beautiful places. In addition to the, you know, the dynamic of amenities with Whistler Whistler and stuff that exist. And, but before we... You know, that's right, Gavin. I mean, they, you know, they say it's one of the few places in the world where, you know, between Whistler and, and Vancouver, you can ski in the morning play golf at lunchtime and sail in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that is, you know, there's, that doesn't exist everywhere. And it's, uh, and all in beautiful places with, with just, you know, a gorgeous natural environment around you, which, you know, I have had the good fortune to experience up there. Yeah. I so, mean, the Pacific Northwest, it's a, you know, it's just, it's a stunning place. It is. Sam, just before we um, close off, uh, for today's podcast, are there any? Um, I mean, I like to ask all of my guests if there are any big predictions that they'd like to make, uh, things that they think will happen that will be very impactful uh, in the markets that we're discussing on the podcast. Um, is there anything significant or very impactful that you see happening in that market in the next three years? Well, I think, yeah, it's interesting. I think there are a couple of things um, that are going to be certainly going to going to impact the market here. Um, you know, one is a, is a trend towards um, more sustainable building techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that is, um, you know, front and center as far as uh, municipalities in, in Vancouver are concerned. Um, it's interesting that the the buyers don't necessarily uh, are not necessarily demanding that, but the uh, municipalities are certainly imposing it. You know, so we've got this huge sort of focus on you know, lead stand, lead building standards. Um, yes, and, and and that's only going to continue, and and you know that will continue, and that will continue to increase the cost of construction. So you know that's a that's a sort of a bit of an issue that the market's also got to grapple with, where you've got buyers that don't necessarily pay as much attention to that as the municipalities do. And, you know, the result is that margins, you know, get squeezed. But I, but I think the building industry is getting its head around, um, you know, are finding ways to um, adapt to the new bylaws that are coming in and do so without it necessarily having a, having a huge impact um, on costs. But uh, so, so that's, you know, that's one thing. And then, yeah, I think the other major thing that we've got here is just um, a realization that um, we have to densify, uh, like like in any other city whose economy is growing, and that that you know the, the the ramifications of that. So you know, it's it's no longer necessary for a family of four to have a ten thousand square foot house. You know, that was that seemed quite quite normal. You know, five five ten years back back in the in the prime markets. Yeah. So we're seeing the size of houses coming down uh, and we're seeing densification, which is showing up in the form of, uh, of laneway homes and the like. So, 
you know, that's a sort of a check. That's a big sort of sea change. If you like, that's coming through the market. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, look, Sam, thank you very much. Um, I mean, it sounds like, uh, you know, a tremendous future ahead for the market, uh, the Metro Vancouver market and Whistler. It's been very interesting to talk through some of the reasons why. Uh, and I mean, I totally agree with you. Sustainability, not just in Vancouver. I mean, it's such a massive factor in the real estate industry everywhere around the world at the moment um, and is going to drive a lot of change in in what people are buying and living in uh, as we see developments in technologies that enable uh, better building techniques in that space. And crucially, as I think you mentioned, uh, building techniques that drive affordability too, which I think is a big, important um, continued change that we need to see around sustainability. Yeah, no, totally, Gavin. And, and you know, of course, you know, we, we couldn't finish this podcast with, without um, a mention going to one of the biggest topics in the world today, which is AI, um, you know, because this is going to affect all yeah. of the things that we just discussed, um, how buildings are built, how buildings are managed, and it's uh, it's going to be an absolute game changer you know, coming through in the next couple of years. Hopefully, there will still be a need for people like us when all of that happens. But um, I, I can I yeah. can say with absolute confidence, Gavin, that I, I'm sure that there will be. <laughs> so I think we, we we need to be obviously looking at looking at what's going on. But I think uh, I think you and I will have a job somewhere someday. Well, I think that's a great point, a great note to end on. And Sam Whiffen, Chief Executive Officer of Eaton Square Capital, thank you very much for joining us on Prophet. Gavin, absolute pleasure. Really great to talk to you. So that's a wrap. It just leaves it for me now. To thank you very much for joining us today on the Prophet podcast. I hope that you'll be able to tune in again to a future show as the conversations develop. If you'd like to contact me, please drop me a note on G-A-V-I-N-R-M-O-R-G-A-N at P-R-O-P-N-X dot C-O-M or take a look at the website at www.popnex.com. Thanks again for joining us today, and I hope to see you on a future podcast. Goodbye.